Pastor Rick gave uh, Brother Dennis and me a holy charge. He said, uh, after Brother Glenn and uh, Brother Jameson speak, want you guys, me at 9 o'clock, Dennis at 10.30, to preach a message that weaves and links those two things together. Don't you just love when you get a good charge like that? Try to follow those two guys and take two such holy, important, and eternal themes and somehow weave them together in a cohesive, understanding way, and then I get 15 minutes to do it. <laughs> but listen, this is the day of miracles, and Susan and I were talking this morning about a Bible verse, and Zechariah despised not the day of small things. All right. Take your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 29. I don't have three points in a poem. I don't have two points. Um, I never have really looked at myself as a, as a preacher, preacher, but a Bible teacher, preacher. So I'm going to look at this verse, and uh, I'm just going to teach the verse. Is that okay with you? And we'll see if God can help us link the Gideons and love life together. I think he can in this verse. Proverbs 29, verse 18. And I'm going to read it like the old King James has it. Where there is no vision, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, first you might think, well... Yeah, I was at a company one time, and the boss came in. He said, I got a great vision for our corporation. And I'm going to cast a vision for the next five years, a business plan for five years. And sometimes even a pastor, I've done it myself in the past, to give your church a vision. You want to cast a vision of a goal to be reached uh, and how to get to that goal, how to accomplish that goal. And then you'll see this verse tacked onto that. May I just say this morning, this verse has nothing to do with anything like that. Nothing. You have to realize that when Solomon wrote these words, where there is no vision, the people perish. When he wrote that, he didn't have a whole lot of the Bible. He had... Genesis, and he had Exodus, and he had Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, he had Joshua, some of the historical books, he had most of the Psalms, maybe all of the Psalms, of course Proverbs, where we find this book. He didn't have Isaiah, he didn't have Malachi or Zechariah, he didn't have Daniel, he didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, Acts, or Romans, or 1st and 2nd Corinthians, or Galatians, or Ephesians, or Philippians. He didn't have any of those books. How did God communicate to men in Solomon's day like he did to Daniel, and Abraham, and Moses, and to David, to Ezekiel? When God wanted to communicate his word to give truth from heaven to earth, he would reveal his word through a multitude of ways. Many times it was through a vision. 
a divine revelation where God Almighty imparted to His spokesman truth from heaven. And if they were a prophet, quite often they would write these words down and we call it the Bible. So when he says where there is no vision, he's saying where there is no revelation of divine truth. Where we do not have the Word of God. That's what he's talking about. Where there is a place where there is a void, an absence of the Word of God. That's what he's talking about. Can you imagine having a place, living in a place, where there is an absence of God's Word? I'd like to tell you this morning, the New Testament predicts in the last days we will be in such a time. We will be in such a time. And we are living in such a time. Most of us older people remember what it was like in school days when we were kids. Do we not, you older people? Anybody older older than, say, 55 or 60? You remember, first day when you go to school, your teacher got up and she would actually pray. (gasps) And above the blackboard was the Ten Commandments. Wow, what happened to church and state separation? And they prayed over food. And the Word of God was taught. We remember things like that. But now we're living in a culture, in a society, where there is no Word of God. There's an absence. In fact, God told to uh, the prophet Hosea, he said, there's going to come a time when I'm going to send a famine on the land. Not a famine of food, not a famine of thirst, but a famine for hearing the word of God. You shall run through and to and fro looking for it and shall not find it. Shall not find it. If I had to give a title of this message today, I would call it The Tragedy of a Wordless Nation. Because we're living in a wordless nation. Where our courts and our legislatures and our legislatures, both state and federal, and our schools and our medical centers and our entertainment centers have jettisoned. The Word of God. They've jettisoned the Word of God. And if I had time today, we could go all the way back to the book of Judges again. In Judges, very little of the Word of God. The five books of Moses, about all they had. And they weren't reading that. They weren't reading that. They were ignoring Genesis, ignoring Exodus, ignoring Leviticus, ignoring Deuteronomy, just ignoring it. And the Bible says three times in Judges, every man did that which was right. You know, know how it finishes? In his own words, in his own way, in his own eyes. 
Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Why was that? Because there was no word of God to give them direction. Where there is no vision, no spoken word of God. Look what it says. The people perish. And they get the idea, okay. Well, I understand where there is no spoken word of God, where there is no revelation of divine truth, where I am shut up to my own ideas, to my own opinions, and the own the old uh, uh, philosophies and values of those around me. What does that mean that I'm going to perish? Well, I love the old King James. I cut my teeth on it. And right now I have the new King James, so I've grown a little bit. But you know, you get used to something for 48 years, you just can't change. I am not a change agent. But I want to tell you something. This word perish... It's found one other place in the Hebrew Bible. Don't, 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 just don't pay attention to my boot. You like my boot? Neil Armstrong wore this on the moon in 1969. I remember when he wore it. This is this one small step for man. Saw so my doctor last Tuesday. She said that it's going good. I can take it off over next Thursday. So just ignore my boot. If you go back to Exodus, when Moses and Joshua went up on the mountain to get the law, and he left Aaron, his older brother, there in, uh, with the people down below, and he went up on the mountain to get the law, and he was up there for 40 days, and people down below missed Moses, and Moses was God's spokesman. God would speak to Moses, and then Moses would give the word of God to the people. But for 40 days, they had no word from God. And Aaron was not a very strong leader. And they said, you know, Moses is dead. Uh, we either need to go back to Egypt. We need to do something. Let's have a God. And they got all their gold bracelets and the ring no nose rings and all that stuff. And you know the story. They made a molten calf. And they went nuts. Literally, they went nuts. You can read the story of what happened. In fact, the Bible says... When Moses and, and Joshua came down from the mountain, as they got close to the camp, the Bible says that they heard a strange noise. In fact, they thought there was a war going on. They said, I think it was Josh said to Moses, I think it's the sound of war. The people have been attacked. The Egyptians have come back, or, uh, or somebody else is down there. There's a big war down there. It's the sound of war. But the Bible tells us what was really happening was they were so incensed and enraged and wild in idolatry, the Bible says they rose up to play. They rose up to play. Again, a Hebrew word you don't find very often in the, in the Old Testament Scriptures. And that simply means they rose up to go wild. They had what we might call today a riotous orgy. There was no word of God. There was no man of God. 
And all the things that Moses had been teaching them since the plagues of Egypt and then going around to the, to the mount, they had forgotten about. And they got back into idolatry. And they got back into immorality and evil. And the noise they made in their wild, orgistic riot sounded like war. And they came down from the mountain, and they found the people in this orgistic frenzy. And the Bible says that the people were naked. Now, before you get erotic in that thought, that's not what the word... There are two other Hebrew words that mean uncovered with clothes, okay? This is not that word. This word means to be unbridled, unrestrained. The restraints are cast off. That's what the word means. So when it says in, in, in uh, Exodus 32 that people were naked, it means they were wild without restraint. And in fact, it reminds me so much, if you want to keep your finger in, in um, chapter uh, 29, go back to Psalm 2, sounds so familiar to what the psalmist talks about in Psalm 2. He says this, why do the nations rage? That is, why do they riot? Why do the people riot and rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. And here's what they say. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. We don't want any divine restraints. We don't want the word of God hedging us in. We don't want the word of God instructing us how we ought to believe, how we ought to behave, and how we ought to act. We want to be free to set our own rules and do our own thing. That's what we've been doing here in the United States pretty much since World War II. But especially since 1964 when they threw prayer out of schools. And things have gone decidedly south. And this country is a train off the, ra the rails And except for churches like Cornerstone Baptist Church, and thank God there are thousands, but we need millions without the Word of God, our people are unrestrained. They are wild. But, <laughs> don't you love the Scriptures? But, Happy is he who keeps the law. Happy is he who keeps the law. You want to be happy? Even in the midst of a nation where there is no word of God, even in a wordless nation that gives us the tragedy of abortion and every other heinous, immoral lifestyle and trafficking that's going on in this country, you want to be happy, get into the law. Love the law. You say, what law? This law. This is the law. This is the law of God. Lots of, uh, of um, synonyms. I almost forgot that word. That's happening more and more these days. I forget words. 
precepts, statutes, testimonies, the word, the way, the judgment, testimonies, the law. These are all things that refer to the word of God. Get into it. Delight in it. Take joy in it. Every day. What did Pastor Rick preach just a few weeks ago about the sword of the Spirit? Do you remember? I didn't even write it down, but it hit me so hard. I can say it this morning. I think I can remember it, honey. What did he say about it? Number one, he wants you to hear it, right? Hear it. Come to church. Come to Sunday school. Hear the word of the, of, of the Lord. Secondly, he said, and by the way, you don't have to do it just here, but every day, Monday through Friday, at 8 o'clock, you can cut on Truth Radio, AM 30, and hear John MacArthur preach the word. 8.30, you can turn to BBN, 95.5, and hear Stephen Davies preach the word. 9 o'clock, go back to Truth Radio and hear Lon Solomon preach the word. 9.30, go back to BBN, hear Adrian Rogers preach the word. You hear the word of God every day. Secondly, he said, read it. Every day. Read the word of God every day. Don't let your life be a wordless life. Read it every day. I know it's not easy all the time. I remember a time when I hated spinach. Seriously. When I was five years old, I couldn't stand that green, slimy stuff. But I was watching Popeye. And I learned that, man, if you eat spinach, you get strong. And I made myself eat spinach, and today, Susie will tell you, I love spinach. I love putting some butter on it. Mm. Now, I didn't get strong like Popeye, obviously. But here's the thing. The Word of God sometimes can be like spinach. But if you'll get up every day and you say, Lord, the Word of God is kind of like spinach to me, but you tell me if I read it, if I study it, if I memorize it, and I, and I pray over it, that you're going to make me spiritually strong. Lord, I want to be a spiritual Popeye. So you got to hear the Word. you got to read the Word. you got to study the Word. you got to meditate on the Word. you got to memorize the Word. And then you got to quote the Word. It's the six things Pastor Rick said. Amen? Did I miss one? And you got to quote the word. Where do you quote it? Quote it to your neighbors. You quote it to yourself. You quote it to God in prayer. Incorporate it into your prayers back to God. You will not be a wordless life. You will not have the tragedy of a wordless life. Now we're going to have a word of prayer in just a second. I don't have a poem. I don't have any cute illustrations. But when you stand up to pray, the invitation... Imitation is this. You got that card that Brother Jameson gave you today? You got the envelope maybe for the Gideons? How about you just come down this morning? We're going to need her together. We're going to pray. Just bring your card down here. If you got something else in your heart you need to pray about, you just come on down. If you're a mother who in the past was deceived and lied to by this culture and you were tricked and deceived, into having an abortion, why don't you just come, no one's going to say anything, just come on down and just pray. Receive the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. There is no sin that His blood will not cover. There is nothing you can do to make Him love you less and nothing you can do to make Him love you more. He loves you that much. And this church does too. Let's stand together, we're going to pray.